Rangers on a Major League Baseball team. Don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with Travis With the new age of baseball is the castration of the Major League Baseball managers. We know it. Hey, I know who I am. Morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by Two Ways One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, by JohnPielli.com, also by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. I'm going to make a quick adjustment to the first camera and hope today is that we get a solid recording. Um, hopefully, things get saved to the, to the camera roll. So I could share Instagram videos as well. But glad to be with you guys as always. And in all honesty, I look at things and the way they, they work out. I don't really care what time I go live. I don't care what time I go on. I don't care if it's you know 2 in the morning. I don't care if it's 7 at night. Uh, the most sensitivity of the, the top content of the show works later on after it's played. So it doesn't really matter what time I go on. A couple things we're going to get into today. I do want to kind of give an objective opinion to Colin Kaepernick's workout last weekend. I think it's different ways to look at it. I think there clearly are two sides to it. And I think you could have completely conflicting points of view and actually not be wrong in that situation. And as we get close to baseball and its Hall of Fame vote, which we know the ballots out there, we know what players probably have the best chance of getting in. There's going to be these comparisons to non-Hall of Famers to Hall of Famers. I want to bring up two players. One is a Hall of Famer, one isn't a Hall of Famer. And I'm kind of going to buck some theories that people have when it comes to the comparison or the neglect in the case of the other one. But the, the show always belongs to you, so anything that's on your mind in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America, please, you can comment on the, the Facebook Live video. You can also give the show a call if you want, number 732-364-3598. So Colin Kaepernick had his workout you know, last Saturday, kind of a bizarre situation. The NFL not setting it up for early in a week to give teams the most opportunity to attend. It was almost kind of like done in a half-assed way. And I think it's kind of something that you, you give him every right to be ticked off about. Because, you know, the NFL for years, for the last three years, has basically said, we're not holding you back. We're not the reason that you're not playing in a National Football League. You're not a quarterback anymore in the NFL because you can't play anymore. You, you're not as good as the other players that are there. The teams don't want you because of your lack of talent. And that's basically what Colin Kaepernick has been told for the last three years. Now you want to take the other side of the argument and you wonder if Colin Kaepernick is 100% committed to wanting to play football in a league again. Because really, if you haven't figured it out by now, you certainly would have known by watching the reaction, his comments after his workout last Saturday, and his overall point of view 
And you really start to question whether whether he really does want to be out there. Now, listen, he, he went out there. He had basically his photo shoot. He was out there with, you know, uh, with no shirt on, showing his, his hair, styling. It, you know, he would have made it for a great photo shoot. It would have been great if he wanted to put his cover, his picture on a cover of a freaking magazine. But what did he prove by throwing a couple balls deep downfield that would make any one of the 32 NFL teams to say, hey, this is the guy that I want quarterback in my team. It's worth it to invest anything, as we hit what we'll call the opening point here at the past ball show. Is it worth it to invest anything in a guy that's been out of the league for three years? Now, we could dispute or debate the reasons why he's been out of the league for the last three years. And certainly one of the things that I've said when it comes to Colin Kaepernick and when it comes to really any athlete in the world of sports, but most importantly, any employee in any sort of profession. You have the right to work. If you're eligible to work and you haven't done anything that requires termination from said employer, you should have the right to work. So what the perception is in regards to the NFL owners and the NFL teams is that there is some sort of collusion keeping Colin Kaepernick from working in the National Football League, and I do have a problem with that. But Colin is making it very difficult for even the die-hardest of die-hardest of supporters to believe that he is really committed to playing again in the National Football League. Because there are concessions on his side. There are things that he could have done to put himself in a position to play in training camp this year, to put himself in a position to have a better workout that's seen by more scouts, more teams, more people there. The changing of the location because the NFL wasn't going to videotape it. Okay, we can talk about the back and forth that goes on and Colin Kaepernick's perception that the NFL just doesn't want him back. The NFL's maybe perception that Colin Kaepernick is all about just getting his name back out there and he could care less about playing again. I think there's two things that are very important here. Number one, his right to work, if he wants to work, he should have the ability to be signed by a National Football League team. And the fact that that hasn't happened yet it is borderline between a joke and an embarrassment. It's a joke because you look at the quality of quarterback in a National Football League and you look at guys like Luke Falk, getting a chance. You look at anybody with the last name of Allen getting a chance to be a quarterback in the National Football League. You look at Tom Savage for about two, three years. The guy proved he couldn't throw a pass in the National Football League, getting chance after chance after chance. And you're telling me that all these quarterbacks are better than Colin Kaepernick? From that perspective, I think you're wrong. This guy should at least get a shot. Now, I'm not saying he needs to be somebody's starter and play 16 games. Obviously, the fact that he was, what, 1-11 or 2-12 in his last couple starts as a quarterback in the National Football League for the San Francisco 49ers, yeah, that's, that's important to bring up. But the question is, three years later, you add, you add that to it, certainly isn't going to make it easy. But you're going to tell me that they're every quarterback in the National Football League that's playing, that's getting any sort of PT right now, is better than what this guy could offer. Now you can talk about the sideshow and the media attention and all the different things that are going to happen if this guy ends up signing. And I get it. 
It's going to be a distraction. If you're talking about a good team that's trying to get over the top, you got you, you you don't want anything to get in your way of that. And I understand that. And I understand why any one of the 32 teams, owners, the general managers, the whole construction of their front offices would decide not to bring this guy in. And that's why I question whether or not he really wants to play again. Does he want to be an NFL football player? Does he want to be a quarterback? Or does he want to be a martyr? Does he want to be that guy that's going out there last Saturday for basically a photo shoot? Which pretty much is what it looked like. Now you want to say the NFL has some sort of say or some sort of you know reason that this happened this way? Sure. Did they have some say in it? Yeah. They made it very tough for Kaepernick. They could have very well said, hey, you could have this workout, but there's going to be no videotapes of the workout. So you know what? We, we can make it my word against yours. We could say that you sucked at your workout, and you could say that you were great. So I see some sort of deviousness from the National Football League to this day. They're not exonerated in this situation. They have not handled this situation well. And I think they do, up to a certain point, have every right to be pissed off. Not just, you know, what Kaepernick did by causing the distraction, but the fact that it became a major thing in the National Football League changed perception of a lot of fans. Now, not that those fans were right, not that those fans were wrong, not that you were right or wrong if you supported Kaepernick or you didn't support Kaepernick, or you supported the players' rights to do what they did, or didn't support the players' rights to do what they did. But it created a distraction, which the league didn't want anything to do with. You know that that was an absolute fact. You also know that the NFL, for about a year, year and a half, took a ratings hit when this happened. So you're thinking of 32 owners that are looking at their product, their investment, the billions and billions of dollars they already have, and they see themselves losing money, it's not going to make them any more interested in wanting to bring in a person that basically they could blame for that entire movement. And like I said, this isn't about the facts. This isn't about talking about you know uh, issues that are going on in inner cities. This is not about talking about the reasons that Colin Kaepernick had this protest. And you know what? I'm, I'm not in a position to say whether that was right or wrong. I see where he's coming from. Do I think it's the right form? No. But I don't think he's wrong with anything that he said. What he brought up and a lot of players in the National Football League backed were things that we see clearly going on in this country. The treatment of minorities... You talk about how police officers do save your lives and are the first to defend you in a time of need. Well, there are racist police officers out there that are making things bad for the rest of them that aren't. But this isn't what I'm here to talk about. I'm talking about two things. His right to work, which he has, because he's better than a good amount of these Quarterbacks that are in the National Football League with jobs right now. And my final point about this is my question over whether or not he wants to. And if he wants to come back, if he wants to play, 
I would just want to hear it a little more in his voice. Not, hey, I, I worked out. I threw a couple balls 50 yards. You know, it's, it's up to 32 teams. It's up to Roger Goodell going out there, planning his speech, making really a, was his workout more about his speech or was it about, you know, exuding what he did on the field, that he could throw the ball, that he could drop back? You know, listen, there's retired quarterbacks that could do what Colin Kaepernick did last Saturday with no pads on, no competition. It's not like he's out there running 40s in front of you. He's not going through a, you know, the uh, equivalent of the NFL combine at the end of the season for college football players. I don't know what he necessarily proved there. And in his mind, was he there to show on the field that he could play for these teams? Or was he out there to plan his little speech afterwards? To be there for a photo session? To be there to be on the cover of People magazine? To be on the next Nike commercial? If he cares more about me being a martyr than a football player, that's fine. But just let it be known that you don't want to play football anymore. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the past ball show, JohnPLA.com and JohnPLALLC is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program, such as by charging admission for a showing, is similarly prohibited. So, Hall of Fame ballot comes out. Obviously, there's a handful of players that are put there just for the sake of being put there. You know, nobody's looking at a ton of players that are first-time eligible on a ballot and saying, hey, this next group of Hall of Famers is going to be so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. We know about Derek Jeter. The question about Derek Jeter is not whether or not he's going to be a Hall of Famer. It's whether or not he is going to be the second-ever unanimous player selected. And I do think Pandora's box has been opened with Mariano Rivera getting a unanimous selection last year. So I think there's more of a chance that Derek Jeter could be the second player to be unanimously selected. But we'll see how it works out. In fact, I'll actually give you one reason why he may not be. And that's the amount of deserving players that are still on this ballot. And I'm not talking about the, the first-timers. I'm talking about a guy like Larry Walker who was on the 10th year, his last opportunity before you know it goes down to the Veterans Committee. You obviously talk about the guys implicated in, in and with steroids and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. You, know, you talk about Gary Sheffield, Manny Ramirez, Kurt Schilling, who's basically not getting in the Hall of Fame because he doesn't get along with the media. So there, there is a series of baseball players that deserve, at the very least, more consideration, let alone full-blown enshrinement. That are on this list. And we can talk about cases that are made for other players, whether it's Andrew Jones, whether it's Scott Rowland. And I'm not saying that either one of them are borderline candidates. I think in a fair world, you can make a case that Rowland won and then Jones two probably are Hall of Famers. But here's the one thing that I don't want to hear any more of. We talk about People that are saying, hey, I'm going to throw a bunch of stats out about this player and make a case why he's a Hall of Famer. I'm going to compare so-and-so to Harold Baines because we don't think Harold Baines was the most worthy candidate of being in a Hall of Fame. It works up to a certain point. But you got one of the most dominant hitters in baseball history 
that, yes, is being held out of the Hall of Fame because of his suspicion and likely use of performance-enhancing drugs, the fact that his body mass pretty much doubled, you know, in the late part of the 90s, early part of 2000s, I get it. But you look at the career stats of Barry Bonds, and you want to say that anybody you're going to put up there to say that guy is a Hall of Famer, has comparable stats to what Barry Bonds did over the course of his career? The answer is no. So anybody that's out there saying Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer because of this. Somebody else is going out there saying Larry Walker is a Hall of Famer because of this. I don't want to hear any more of that. And it's not that those guys aren't Hall of Famers. It's not that those players do not under any circumstances belong in a Hall of Fame. But Barry freaking Bonds belongs in a Hall of Fame. I put up some stats the, the other day. The only player in baseball history with 600 doubles and 700 home runs. One of four players in baseball history with a 440 OPS and a 600 slugging percentage. You know who the other three were? Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Lou Gehrig. That's the kind of player Barry Bonds was. And you want to talk about you know how you want to control the game and hold against what players did. Barry Bonds, by using steroids, only hurt himself. He likely shrunk his own testicles. He likely put himself in a position where he may live a shorter life because of the choice that he made. He's hurting only himself. And you want to say, hey, it's hurting the game. Oh my God, look at the precious game of Major League Baseball, the innocent game of Major League Baseball that for 150 years has had no deviousness and nobody has ever tried to compromise the integrity of the game. I think you're crazy if you say that. Because you're looking at a game in the 19th in a 19th century that had criminals that mistake mistook themselves for baseball players. People that were committing murder were playing professional baseball. We got baseball that just like this country up through the 1940s and I understand baseball when it comes when you're talking about, you know, equal rights and, you know, the movement for equality and to end segregation, it kind of did start with Jackie Robinson crossing the color barrier in Major League Baseball and helping the game integrate. But up until that point, baseball was just as ignorant as the rest of the country. Talking about a guy like Josh Gibson, who could have been one of the best Major League Baseball players ever if he got a freaking chance. But he was held out because he was black. So when I talk about what's right, what, what about any of that? What about racism as it applied to the game until Jackie Robinson came into it? And a holding back and the oppression of anybody with darker skin. You want to talk about pitchers that used to spitball for years. How many of those guys are in the Hall of Fame? Gaylord Perry likely used the spitball throughout the majority of his career. Is in the Hall of Fame. You know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, we'll have the author of the book, Baseball Gods in Scandal, about the Dutch Leonard affair. But you had two Hall of Famers that were potentially involved in deciding a game before it was played. So you're going to tell me that steroids and Barry Bonds is the worst thing that ever happened to baseball? You know, how about the Black Sox throwing the freaking World Series 100 years ago? Almost destroyed baseball. 
and we're going to say that Barry Bonds destroyed the game of baseball because he used steroids. Forget about that. What well, we saw with Barry Bonds over the course of his career is something we may never see again. And sure, it could have been synthetically enhanced. It probably was. But he was the greatest baseball player in my lifetime. Certainly one of the top five or top six offensive position players to ever play baseball. So once again, I don't want to see any of your comparisons on your fringe Hall of Fame guys to guys that are already in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds could be compared to anybody that's ever played in Major League Baseball history. He was Babe Ruth. He was Lou Gehrig. He was Ted Williams. And we got to see him in our lifetime. And if the baseball writers want to continue to hold that against him, shame on them. Because what we saw is one of the greatest players to ever play in Major League Baseball history. The other part of it that I want to talk about is, here's some comparisons to Tony Gwynn. And I never thought that Tony Gwynn would be looked at, you know, almost 20 years after his career is over, as a French Hall of Fame guy. But you look at some people that like to put the power stats up there, slugging percentage, OPS, somebody to hit more home runs, somebody to hit more doubles, will obviously have a higher slugging percentage than Tony Gwynn had over the course of his career. But Tony Gwynn did something that very few players in baseball history will ever do again. When he retired after the 2001 season, he finished his career with a 338 batting average. And you look at some players that got off to good starts. A guy like Joe Maurer kind of stays, you know, fresh in my mind. But as they get older, they start to break down a little bit. It's very hard to maintain a batting average at that high. Tony Gwynn's 338 batting average was so impressive that there wasn't a player that retired in Major League Baseball history that had a higher batting average since Ted Williams in 1960. So you're talking about 41 years that went by, and there's nobody that retired with a higher batting average of 338 since Ted Williams. Nobody has since. So the part of it that says, hey, Tony Gwynn didn't hit enough home runs. Tony Gwynn hit a lot of singles, sure, but he made a hell of a career for himself. And there's a place in the Hall of Fame for Tony Gwynn, a solid place in the Hall of Fame for Tony Gwynn, and a place in the Hall of Fame that really shouldn't be disputed. So when you go out there and you compare a player that wasn't Tony Gwynn, a guy that hit a lot of home runs, let's say a Todd Helton or a Larry Walker, who can bring up you know slugging percentage and power numbers and weighted runs created and OPS plus, they're all important, but they don't benefit Gwynn and the type of player that he was. Name me a player in the game today that's got a chance to do what Tony Gwynn did. He played the game his way, but he also had a great eye at the plate. He never struck out. He hit the ball all over the field. He put the ball in play. Got a ton of singles. Name one player in the game today that did anything close to what Tony Gwynn did. The game's different, I understand. But Tony Gwynn, what he did was probably a throwback player to maybe the early 1900s, maybe a dead ball era type of player. Maybe he could compare Gwynn to a Ty Cobb in a certain way. He never tried to hit a home run. He put the ball in play, but also knew how to make the proper contact with the baseball. 
That's why he hit 338 for his career. A little bit of a recap of the show today, and I'm just checking to see if there's anything major to talk about. You obviously have the Tua injury, which certainly is going to impact his draft stock. And you wonder, you know, the Alabama quarterback, and of course with the you know major hip injury, you know, is he ever going to be the same? He's certainly not going to be looked at as the same. He probably uh, is going to miss some time. Does he decide to go back to Alabama for another year? Now he can, because he has that eligibility. But I believe that it may, he may be better suited to take a little bit of hit in the draft, go out there, you know, be selected in the middle of the first round or something by a team that may have a quarterback now, but may want to develop him into the quarterback in the future. And you know, let yourself get better. Don't go out there and play in college and compete at the highest level for just the hopes of improving your draft stock. He proved what he could do. He proved that he could play, certainly at the highest level of college, but could definitely play in the NFL. Has most of the skills, the accuracy in which he throws the ball. Yes, there's going to be that injury risk, and I understand that. Any team that would take him would be taking a major risk that maybe he is never the same after this major hip injury. I get it. But I think he should spend the next year or so or however long it takes to make sure that he gradually gets himself back. Let's say gets picked up by an NFL team in a draft next year, learns the team's offense. And we talk about, hey, quarterbacks of that echelon and with that talent, should be playing right away. I get it. I get it. The way the game's changed. You know, you don't have the Aaron Rodgers or the Steve Young that sits back for a series of years and, you know, year four, year five, finally plays and knows the playbook, knows the team. But this actually could be a throwback situation. Not so much because of the guy's talent. We know how talented Tua is. But let's say he takes that next year and just under the orchestration of a team that knows that it's coach and it's offense is going to be there for a couple of years, Tua can learn that offense, and then maybe not next year but the year after could take over that team and be what we expect them to be. Spoke a little bit earlier about Kaepernick. Uh, He's got the right to work, and that's a point that I will defend until there's no tomorrow. You can't tell a guy just because of him being outspoken that he shouldn't get a job. I thought up to a point that the NFL owners and the teams had to write individually to employ the player. But you look at the quality of quarterback in the National Football League, and you tell me that you're sure that Luke Falk is better than Colin Kaepernick? You sure that Brandon Allen is better than Colin Kaepernick? You're telling me that T.J. Yates or Tom Savage is better than Colin Kaepernick? Now, Kaepernick may not, without a doubt, be better, but he's at least on the level of those guys. And you've seen over the last couple years, those guys get a chance not just to be on an NFL roster, but to start games in a National Football League. So I say somebody signs him, gives him a chance, he screws it up, hey, at least he got that chance. If he doesn't get that chance... He's going to be able to hold that over you, that you blackballed him, 
that you colluded together as 32 owners in the National Football League, and you kept this guy from playing. And that doesn't look good for the NFL. The other aspect that I think is very important to understand when it comes to Kaepernick is that I don't know if we'll ever know if he really wants to play again. Does he want to be a quarterback in the National Football League again? Does he want to be a martyr? Does he want to be a guy that's going to be on the cover of a magazine there for the photo shoot, look at the little videos and throwing a ball, be on the next Nike commercial? Has he come to grips with the fact that his National Football League career is over? Was it all a scam run by the league and contributed to by Kaepernick? Has he come to grips with the fact that he's not playing again? Because if, he, if that's the case, then what's the sense of having this workout? And he can talk about the fact that the NFL may have staged this to kind of make themselves look good. And it's possible. But I want to know, for a fact, without him just saying something to appease the crowd, does he really want to play in the National Football League again? I know it's been three years. I don't know. Maybe he could have handled it a little differently. Maybe the league could have handled it a little differently. But those are the two points. I'm wondering if Kaepernick does want to play. And I believe that if he does, he's got the right to work. Next time you're putting your comparisons of non-Hall of Famers to Hall of Famers, you need to think of one player that isn't in a Hall of Fame that's numbers trump that of anybody else that you're going to put up there as a Hall of Fame candidate. And that guy's name is Barry Lamar Bonds. Only player in baseball history with over 600 doubles and 700 home runs. One of four players in Major League Baseball history with an on-base percentage of 440 and a slugging percentage of 600 for their career. The other names, Ruth, Ted Williams, Garrick, One of three players in baseball history with a thousand more walks than strikeouts. The other two, Ted Williams, Eddie Collins. Nobody else in baseball history had a, over a thousand more walks than strikeouts. Barry Bonds' career is a Hall of Fame career. The numbers that he put up were Hall of Fame worthy. Nobody could dispute that aspect of it. The only thing that could be disputed is your opinion of quote-unquote cheating. And that goes back to making baseball to be this game where it's so sacred and everything that happens in a sport is always on the up and up. Yet you got players that threw World Series. You got managers that bet on baseball while they were managers. You got two legends in Cobb and Tris Speaker that may have you know, dictated a game in 1919. You got the spitball. You got scuffed baseballs. You got the Astros, you know, manipulating cameras so they could see the opponent's signs. Cheating, deviousness. Gamesmanship have existed in baseball for 150 years, which, by the way, early on in baseball, it was a criminal sport. You had murderers and you know, you know, people with uh, aggravated assault records. 
domestic violence. You know, where's the domestic violence crowd talking about the amount of domestic violence that was involved in baseball in the 19th century? And we're talking about this sacred game, this goody two-shoes game of baseball, where only the good should be enshrined. It's an absolute joke. Tony Gwynn, 338 batting average for his career. Something we'll never see in Major League Baseball again. So when people are trying to bastardize Tony Gwynn's Hall of Fame qualifications, I promise you, we may see another one of whatever player you're trying to compare Tony Gwynn to. We're never going to see another Tony Gwynn. We'll be back with you this Saturday. Lots of other stuff we're going to get into in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. Thank you. As always, this is the Passball Show brought to you by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Also, of course, by JohnPLA.com. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.